Welcome to Midnight Conversations. I'm Anandan Ambikaraja. And I'm Stephen Banos. Uh, yeah, sorry about that. I was taking a, a sip of my uh, drink and then Stephen pointed to me to say that I was introing. So uh, that was uh, well-timed. I feel bad. <laughs> you look so content taking that sip as well. and I ruined It was really it. good. I'm drinking a mocha. Mocha. Uh, so, oh, yeah, nice. A bit of I've coffee, a uh, bit of chocolate. Good. I brought back the Robert Tim's. Um, oh, have you? Very yeah, nice. Have, the have, unofficial have. sponsor of the show. Very That's nice. Right. Um, yet to see money from Robert Tim's, nor, uh, what was that guy? Rupert? What was his name? The dude who, who's, who's going to give us $7 million. I've forgotten the guy's name as well. Yeah. So have I. He's a... It we, clearly wasn't so memorable uh, for all those who are listening to me <laughs> trying to wonder a few episodes ago whether we got that millions of dollars yet. Uh, still waiting. Still uh, so, still waiting. So Rupert or Mr. Uh, I think I said Rupert because of Rupert Murdoch. It's probably, <laughs> probably the first well, rich rich name that came to mind. Um, yeah. If Rupert Murdoch wants to get in touch with some money Look, hey uh, we're here. all for it what i mean we've really tried i think in this podcast mm. to get money somehow we've tried liftonized tea sponsors <laughs> robert tim sponsorships uh, and then clearly you know addressing possible spam yes. mail maybe maybe mm. not yet to be confirmed um so i mean what other monetary ways could we capitalize in this podcast is there any, anything any ideas i have i have none um mm-hmm. you could do some stand-up comedy. Is there money in that still? Uh, yeah, that, that's why I'm still in that career path. <laughs> um, but uh, Stephen, uh, yeah. I mean, do you have do you have anything to say before we get into the I, paper today? Yeah, look, I do. I have a um, I have a fact that Ooh. I thought could segue us in to this paper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm excited. The fact is, uh, hang on, I. Look, I've I've forgotten what the fact is. Oh, I put you on the spot. Today, we are talking about Alzheimer's disease. Uh, We are. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Have have you actually forgotten the fact? That's that's great. Uh, Literally, before we started this podcast, he was like, "Do you have a segue?" And I said, "No, no, I'm just I'll work it out as we go." And he said, "Oh, don't don't worry, I've got a segue plan." Don't worry. Did you miss the joke, Adam? And the joke was that we're talking about uh, dementia, and I forgot the. The fact. Uh, it was a dreadful segue. Potentially in poor taste. Uh, well, yeah. And, oh, that's, that's, uh, yeah. I mean, uh, it was a joke worth missing, I think. <laughs> <laughs> and, and not worth finding. Um, but yes. All right. Well done. Well done, Stephen. I don't, I don't think it deserves well done. But um, we, yes, today we are, we're, we're talking about dementia. But I think the reason why I picked this paper, which is looking at something, the title is called Brain Age in Mild Cognitive Impaired Patients, Predicting the Conversion to Alzheimer's Disease. And the reason why I thought this would be a cool paper is because I've been really interested in something called machine learning and uh, what its practical implications are in science. And machine learning is everywhere. So if you have been on YouTube uh, you may notice that they give you recommendations for what videos to watch next. That's machine learning. They use your previous history, if you allow them to track your history, then they use that history to say, oh, okay, well, maybe you'd like this video of, in Stephen's case, you know, uh, this stand-up comedian who's terrible and has uh, poor jokes. Maybe maybe they're like, oh, that would <laughs> be perfect for Stephen. Yeah, with terrible segues, all, all perfect. All right, so <laughs> we'll get that. And so... 
Steven's there and he's like, oh, that's a great video. I'm going to click on that. And so the, the machine learning model may say, oh, okay, cool. That was a good suggestion. Let's have other suggestions that are similar. goes on from there. And so these machine learning algorithms are everywhere in, in our day-to-day -day lives. Uh, literally any suggestion that you get is possibly based on a machine learning algorithm. But you may have seen some, you know, it, it, it's got a lot to go in, in re its research applications. But here we're looking at machine learning to predict brain age. So brain age is, is sort of, you have an age, whatever it is. So Stephen, you are X years old, so let's say you know, 25, 26. Oh. I actually do that, but I've got to say- <laughs> That was, that was I'll, very I'll, kind of you, yeah. I'll add, uh, oh, well, maybe 28. So uh, we're, yeah, yeah, Stephen has an age, and uh, let's say 26. And maybe if we look at his brain age, his brain age says, well, actually, it looks like you're 24. And so what they did in this study is they looked at the difference between your actual age, so 26, minus your brain age, which may be a few years younger or older. Here in this case, for Stephen, it's two years younger. And they said, well, okay, what, when we use that change in, in age between your actual age and your brain age, what's that in terms of, could that predict your chance of developing some sort of condition such as Alzheimer's disease? And so they, that's what they did in, in this study. Um, but Stephen, what, what, do you have any yeah. questions? Does that make sense? Machine learning, brain age? It's, it's a heavy topic, a heavy mm. uh, heavy paper for today's podcast. But anyway. Yeah, it, it, look, it is a heavy topic. Um, and the, the, this paper is pretty complex. Like there's, there's mm. a lot to it. Um, basically, my understanding is that they have some kind of new uh, mechanism just for predicting Alzheimer's through MRI. Mm -hmm. what, what what exactly is brain age? It seems to be presented as kind of like a like a trademark almost, like brain uh, capital A G E. Is yeah, that I, I, well, I don't know if it's a, mm. if it's trademarked. It, it's I mean, it's used in a lot of different contexts, and the way it's calculated can vary depending on a lot of different things that I, I don't fully understand. There's mm. you know different ways in which people calculate it based on different measures that are used in the brain. So. Uh, but so you may get different estimates of brain age, but they all mm. intend to do the same thing, which is sort of look at the age of your brain and assess, uh, like look at your brain and assess its age. So you can think of it as, um, I mean, if you were to line up 10 people uh, mm. and uh, of varying ages, say you have like a baby on one end of the spectrum and someone who's 100, mm. you could sort of eyeball features and say, oh, well, that person, you know, is, a, you know, crawling and the other person is on two feet. Okay, maybe the person crawling is less than five years old and the person mm. on two feet is like greater than five years old. You can use sort of indicators, visual indicators to identify people's age. In the same way, we do something similar within the brain. There are visual indicators that allow us to say, oh, well, look at this. This region of the brain is a bit smaller than it should be than we would expect at someone who's 25 or 30 and, and same vice versa. So we can look at all sorts of measures to predict a brain age. Yeah, this stuff really fascinates me. So when, when we're talking about like the size of a brain, we're talking about brain mass. So brain mass is what, like the the neurons, like active neurons? Is that what we're yeah, talking about? that's it. Yeah, you're 100% uh, in. Yeah, okay, so cool. um, the brain mass, we have uh, gray matter and white matter. The yep. gray matter is uh, the neuron, and it's actually a specific part of the neuron. It's the cell body, and that's where sort of the uh, nucleus is, if you know, uh, if that word sounds familiar. It's sort of the uh, part of the cell that sort of controls or directs a lot of the processes, um, and then the it's the volume of the of the or the brain mass also has white matter, and that white matter is if you think of a neuron, it's sort of like a cable. And uh, that cable uh, around it, you know, you don't just see wires in a cable. It has some sort of insulation. 
that insulation in the brain is called uh, myelin. And that myelin is the white matter that we see and it allows for current to travel. Because in the brain, we actually have these, uh, it's called electrochemical impulses. So along the myelin, it's just these electrical uh, impulses that we see. And then it goes to the end of the neuron and we have these chemical changes that happen. So, I mean, broadly speaking, when you aggregate or you add up all these uh, white matter and gray matter, so the cell bodies being the gray matter and the, and the myelin being the white matter, when you add them all up, we get lots and lots of them. And then we get uh, uh, lots of these cells that form, you know, chunks of the brain, really. And that's mm. the volume. So, um, again, the best analogy is thinking of it as a as a muscle to some extent, but just what it is composed of is different. Okay. Mm. So when we're talking about dementia or brain atrophy, what's actually mm. what, what is actually happening to the ne- neuron? Like, is, yeah. Yeah, the, it's, it's damaged question. in some ways, so that that reaction can't occur. Definitely. So, yeah. if think of it, if the um, if the neurons, uh, if the axons are damaged, those white matter tracks again. Think of the wire with the insulation. If that starts to get damaged, then you get less of these electrical impulses that are stimulating the gray matter, the cell bodies. And so, without the stimul- stimulation, you're sort of getting this shrinkage in size. Uh, and so, um, that's you know one thing that you can think of. The other thing is. You know, you have the brain inside the skull, but you also have these things called ventricles. And these ventricles are spaces. It's like this space inside your brain. And uh, uh, it's it's what allows fluid called uh, cerebrospinal fluid to go into your brain. And this is where like nutrients and waste products are, it goes in and out and a few other things. And so when your uh, brain is, you know, developing in a not so good way, uh, we can see these ventricles expand larger than we would uh, usually expect. And so these ventricles increase in size, and then there's like they push the brain. And so there's less of that to they sort of start to shrink as well. So Mm -hmm. if you think of it, sort of this action of space and mass, and they're working against each other to sort of yeah, preserve as much of the brain as possible. But uh, when we look at the brains of people who suffer from Alzheimer's disease, they have less mass of the brain in certain areas. And also these ventricles are a bit bigger. So there's a lot of this space that's uh, in the brain as well. So pretty crazy Um, when when we think of it. And these are sort of the indicators that we can use for... Uh, brain age yeah does yeah. does alzheimer's disease refer to atrophy in specific areas of the brain or just generally a uh, great question so yeah. alzheimer's disease actually um one of the markers of it is uh the hippocampus uh, area of the brain that may fa- be familiar for a lot of people uh, in previous podcasts we've discussed it it's an an area of the brain which is sensitive to changes and is also the first area to uh, one of the first areas to sort of get smaller as uh, in people who have Alzheimer's disease. So the hippocampus is sort of, if you um, look at where your ear is, it's sort of just a bit above that ear spot in the, it's called the temporal lobe. It's, it's uh, the, you know, you have two, it's in the right and left side uh, of your brain. And uh, that's, that's sensitive, but also there's other uh other components but if you think about it broadly i guess in alzheimer's disease it sort of starts in the sides of the brain and then goes to the front and then it sort of uh develops into the whole brain which can get um impacted so so here what what they did is um so i mean in 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 alzheimer's disease that's one condition but another condition is called uh, mild cognitive impairment mci and in this study um, mild cognitive impairment is a unique condition because, uh, from what I understand, is they it, it can people who suffer from mild cognitive impairment they can either 
convert and eventually develop Alzheimer's disease, uh, or they can remain stable, so they suffer from these mild symptoms of cognitive impairment, uh, or they revert, and they can revert to, to normal and, and have, go back to what we call normal stable uh, uh, systems. And so um, in this study, what they did is they used the brain age to predict whether people with mild cognitive impairment ended up getting dementia or not. And uh, that, that's Alzheimer's. essentially what, yeah, Alzheimer's disease. Yeah, exactly. Specifically Alzheimer's disease. Mm. Um, and that's, that's what we found here. So does that make sense, uh, Stephen, so far? You're sort of yeah, my litmus test of, of, of how well this, under, this, this makes sense. <laughs> I appreciate <laughs> yeah. it. No, no. Well, I, I was excited when you, when you um, sent me this paper because I realized like this is an area where I don't really have that much knowledge and uh, I'm going to take the chance to pick your brain as much as possible. Fair enough. Um, fair enough. I mean, well, let's get in, straight into the results of yeah. what they found within within this study. So they used this brain age metric. Um, again, to remind people, this is the difference between what your brain looks like you think of versus uh, what your actual age is. So they use that difference between brain age and actual age to predict whether people with MCI or controls were whether they were likely to develop Alzheimer's disease in a follow up period. So here it was a few years. And um, what they found was the brain age framework was able to identify uh, those with MCI who were likely to convert to uh, Alzheimer's disease. But more importantly, they not only could it find that, it did better than most commonly used uh, measures, such as uh, hippocampal volume we mentioned. Uh, a lot of people look at the hippocampal volume to predict whether people develop Alzheimer's disease. Another one is a lot of cognitive tests uh, people use where they you know, assess your knowledge on certain memory tasks or other tasks, to, uh, and that can be a predictor of Alzheimer's disease. And, and so all, all these sort of things. Another one is they can, I noted how um, you have more uh, cerebrospinal fluid in the brain because those ventricles get a bit bigger. So there's um, thing, things within there that we can assess. We can extract some of that cerebrospinal fluid and assess that in the lab and see whether you're likely to develop Alzheimer's disease. And, and all of these things, um, brain age in this study was found to be a better predictor of uh, the converting from MCI to mild cognitive impairment to Alzheimer's disease than all of these measures, which is pretty amazing uh, mm -hmm. when, you, when you think of it. So the cool stat that they have is every additional year in brain age score was associated with a 10% greater risk of developing Alzheimer's disease. So... Uh, yeah, I mean, maybe yeah, in, in in clinic, like they could they could see, oh wow, look, your difference in brain age is, is a few years. That's three, four years. Your your risk may be, you know, forty percent more. So we have to work out what we can do to make sure that your brain ages more healthily uh, as you progress um, mm. in the next five, ten years and reassess. So there's a lot of potential here. So I thought it was, uh, yeah, really cool. Yeah, when, I can see how this is going to be like massively useful you know, mm. for clinicians. Mm. Uh, um, what, I mean, what fascinates me firstly here is like the technology that goes into this, being able to like actually scan and read a brain. Yeah. Like I, if, if you're listening to this podcast and you've never seen a brain scan, like mm. just Google it or, or go onto YouTube and have a look at, at what these look like. Cause they're amazing. I don't it's understand sort of, really what I'm looking at. I just, they're like colors and like swells yeah. and stuff like <laughs> representing yeah. different parts of the brain or what, what, what exactly are they representing? Yeah, I mean, uh, the it it depends. So, are we to, in the scanner that we're talking about? Mm. The actual brain scanner, you can think of it as a, I don't know, it's like a cylinder 
uh, mm. that you sort of lie down and then you get shoved into and mm. well not shoved gently had some bad experiences hey yeah yeah exactly and so um when you're in this scanner it, it, it can take uh the your brain uh, an image of it using it does all sorts of different things and there are different types of scanners one is MRI stands for magnetic resonance imaging and it uses magnets. So it's, a, it's mm. essentially a massive magnet and it uses that to take a picture of your brain. So yeah, as Stephen says, check out, you know, MRI scans online. You'll see some really cool photos and mm. uh, it, it uh, you know, it, it can vary what you see, but generally with an MRI scan, you can see um, a lot of structural features. So you can see, actually identify oh, that's where the hippocampus is, or oh, that's where the front part of the brain is, and all, mm. all sorts of different areas. So um, that, that, that's what that does. Yeah, that's Ken. Mm. So from from a little bit of research, mainly from like prior podcasts that we've done, the, mm. the main culprit in terms of what's causing, or maybe not causing, sorry, but like associated with um, Alzheimer's disease onset is this like amyloid beta which seems to be like some kind of molecule that forms or like like in excess yeah. or mm. um, your body's just not able to clear it as it's meant to and then it creates like these little blockages and then the brain's, just, I don't know, not, not working as well. Yeah, essentially. Cool. You are. You've actually stumbled into a minefield within science mm, because okay. uh, so the amyloid beta hypothesis has been like, it was a massive, there was a massive push for it uh, in, in, for decades. And there were loads and loads of, of trials, drug trials. Uh, so amyloid beta is a, a molecule that's in the brain. And it's found in, in normal uh, people, in, in mm. those without Alzheimer's disease, just healthy individuals. Uh, but in people with Alzheimer's disease, they have more of this amyloid beta. So it's mm. not really cleared from the brain at a, at a good rate. And so... Uh, we thought that there, you know, I guess it's sort of like if you think of it, you know, if if I was to see you, Stephen, and you were crying out in pain, and I see a knife in your leg, I'd say, oh, maybe the knife in your leg is causing the issue, you know. <laughs> and it 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 seems like a very reasonable assumption. This is sort mm. of quite crudely what we see with amyloid beta. There was there was a lot of it in the brain, and we said, oh, okay, well then, if we clear, if we get the knife out of the leg, maybe this will help improve things. Mm. So. There was a lot of energy, time invested into the amyloid beta uh, hypothesis, and uh, it it didn't have many successful stories. Uh, yeah. A lot of the trials that we see, drug trials, um, they didn't work. And partly people started to question whether amyloid beta, maybe it's relevant, but maybe it's not. Maybe if I look and I turn you around, Steve, and I see that there's like 10 knives in your back. I don't know why this is such a graphic example, but it's, uh, you know, maybe maybe I see something different in, in the back. Right. And and what that different thing is here within Alzheimer's research is something called tau, uh, T-A-U. Mm. And uh, these these uh, tau molecules are, are also in the brain. They, they're uh, called uh, tangles, tau tangles, because of the way they look and they can sort of tangle up as well. And it's thought that this may be more associated with uh, the risk of Alzheimer's disease. So now there's a lot of effort on that. But, you know, it's, it's, it, it can be hard because a lot of people still have this idea that maybe that we should keep focusing on amyloid beta and others say, no, 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 we have to start looking at tau and others are doing both. And, you know, it's, it's really interesting within the field, but 
you know, when you're at the forefront of knowledge, there's always uh, controversies and you're trying to work out what the best way is. And, and that's, that's what's good. You need different people looking at different things. And, but um, yeah, hopefully, hopefully that finds more progress in future, but that's, yeah. that's where we're at with that. Uh, yeah. And that, and that's one of the markers. So when we talk about uh, cerebrospinal fluid, we're, we're, we're looking at some of these molecules uh, that are, that are in there. Um, so yeah, yeah. it's interesting. Yeah. So that's that's kind of the point where we're at in the scientific world in terms of our understanding of it, right? Like we can we can scan brains, we can predict very closely, like the likelihood of someone developing Alzheimer's mm. disease. We can like see what's potentially causing it, but then in terms of actually mitigating that likelihood, like how how do clinicians then die? Or sorry, like uh, proposes remedies to this or like solutions yeah. for development. I mean, that's a that's a pretty good summary of of where we are uh, in a, in a nutshell. I, mm. I mean, there the underlying message is currently, unfortunately, there's no cure for Alzheimer's disease, and that's why there's so much effort put into these uh, trying to identify people who develop Alzheimer's disease or not. Because if we can identify it, maybe we can put in practices to delay its progression. Um, you know, we, you and I, we've talked about a lot of environmental things that can be done, uh, physical activity, eating well, mm. um, a lot of, you know, healthy lifestyle habits, which can uh, improve your, your, and, and the idea is if we can just delay it uh, by a few years, I think they've calculated that this can have um, massive impacts for reducing the, you know, economic burden on, on society, reducing the um, burden on, on carers and, and also, uh, you know, prolonging quality of life for people who end up suffering from disease. So there's, yeah, a lot of factors that relate to it. So it's, um, mm. that's what, so yeah, but a cure, a cure isn't there, unfortunately, not yet. So yeah, uh, that's why my, we're looking at this. Sorry. Yeah, no, go on. Yeah, yeah. A lot, a lot of my knowledge on Alzheimer's disease actually comes from this like TED talk, which I Googled just before this to get the name. It was oh, yeah. like by Lisa Genova, and it was like what you can do to prevent Alzheimer's. Okay. Um, yeah, recommend it. It's really interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah, but they suggest all sorts of stuff, just like learning and, and cardiovascular um, things, like you know, going for runs and stuff. I find yeah. that so fascinating. Like, how how does exercise like impact your brain in that way yeah i don't know there's there's obviously like it's so yeah, much crazy. information there's there. there's a, there's a lot of things that that can happen mm. and uh you know within exercise uh, we we see that the white matter that we were talking about earlier that can be impacted uh, by a lot of vascular changes so that uh, association mm. is there so when you're exercising you know better heart health better blood flow your brain takes up a large part of your, you know, oxygen and nutrients. Um, so it's mm. important to feed a good thing. So, I yeah. mean, it, it's amazing. When I, um, I think being a scientist and learning about all this sort of stuff, it has really, it has really kicked uh, my lifestyle into a, it motivated mm. me to live really, really healthily and try my best because, you know, sometimes things are inevitable. There are things that can happen. But what I've learned is that you can always delay it which is which is one thing and uh you and also quality of life is the key and so yeah i'm, I'm doing everything i can so it's it's crazy i mean what, what do you ever think often it's it's very far into the future but like mm. 50 years from now what your life would be like with your brain health i mean i, I remember yeah. we were we were talking about the bill gates documentary i think he said the main thing he's scared of losing is his mind. Like that's yeah. his number one fear. But yeah, yeah how, how, what are your thoughts? I'm I'm very scared of of losing my brain. 
Mm. like more mm. so than I've already lost it now yeah. just from years of abusing with alcohol and stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, um, I I try now to exercise a lot more and, and eat well. Um, I guess I'm living now as if I'm going to get Alzheimer's disease. Like I, yeah, I expect right. myself to, to, to get it. Um, mm. Mm. And I'm, yeah, I guess I'm trying to, to mitigate that. Yeah. Like, no, I, I get it. Mm. I'm, yeah, I mean, there's uh, to, to end this end this note on a more positive positive <laughs> spin towards the end of the podcast. I mean, I think a, a key thing is you know a lot of research is being done, and this is more of a technical podcast than usual. But I think we mm. wanted to just show that. Well, I, I particularly wanted to show that there's a lot of cool stuff that the implementation of technology is doing to scientific research, and so we're getting better and better results, better and better findings. A lot of um, new revolutions that were are happening, you know, the advent of things like an imaging machine allowed us to study the brain way better than before we had access to it. It used to be we'd wait until, you know, someone died and we'd do something called post-mortem studies, which is we look at the brain after death and then analyze it. So and now we're able to do a, a load of, of amazing things. So I, I'm I'm optimistic, but I'm generally an optimistic person, but I'm optimistic that things will um, progress in future. And there's a lot of good things that are happening, including, you know, open access uh, papers, which are allowing everyone to have access to papers such as this one. And um, there's uh, the sharing of data. And I, I feel like, you know, the scientific wheels are, are turning a bit faster. So um, and I think, you know, with funding, things can things can happen. Amazing things can happen. We, it's, mm. We've seen it in the past with vaccines, and it can happen definitely within this space. And so, I mean, even Bill Gates is, is funding Alzheimer's research, and I think you know he he he's seen from experience that when you put funding towards things, uh, amazing things can happen. Mm. So optimistic, but we can do our part yeah. by being healthy. I guess is, yeah, uh, is the key takeaway. It's, like, it's it? a scary disease. I've, I've seen it firsthand and it's mm. it's really mm. not pretty. So whatever can be done to prevent it, um, I'm yeah. all for it. And I feel like, uh, Stephen, next week we need to do a paper to, you know, on something super happy, like the effect of like fluffy dogs on, you know, <laughs> overall <laughs> happiness and well-being. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Although I'm scared of dogs. So that's not a great topic. But any any other any other uh, happy topics you have in mind or listeners at home, if you have a happy topic, mm. um, Stephen, you can tell them where they can send that topic to. It yeah. is at. Yeah. Email us at midnightconversationspodcast at gmail.com. Hit us up that's on it. Instagram. Instagram, Midnight Conversations Podcast. Hit us up on Twitter. Same same thing. Midnight Conversations Podcast. Yeah. Um, where else? I think that's it. No, oh, I think that's oh, it. TikTok. 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 Jeez. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We're all we're, over it. We're, we're all on there. Every, every social media pipe. So, yeah. Uh, yeah. Hit us up in there. And uh, we know that people have been enjoying our TikTok videos. So, we will uh, keep hmm. that going. So, yeah, we uh, will. yeah. If you have any feedback, let us know as always. Uh, hopefully you enjoy this paper as always it's in the description of the episode and uh, yeah if you have any thoughts or any any papers in future that you'd like us to cover and try to dissect and have midnight discussions around uh, mm. feel free to let us know until then uh, we'll see you next time it's been a pleasure take it easy <laughs> see you guys <laughs> see ya.